Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, May 19th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. This is episode number 150. And tonight, uh, we had originally planned to have uh, big Kevin McAndrews on the show. Um, we, we haven't heard back from Kevin, so hopefully all is well with him. But uh, um, we, have, uh, we have a great show planned tonight and uh, really excited about it. Um, two gentlemen that um, I think everybody's going to enjoy listening to. Uh, we have a bit of a reunion, so to speak. Uh, we have John Cahill. Follow John at uh, John Cahill uh, underscore IRL. Did I get that right, John? That's 100% right. All right. And we have Neil Dunworth. Follow Neil at Two Green Browns. And they together were the Two Green Browns podcast. So this, we're just going to call this the Two Green Browns podcast reunion show. How are yeah, you guys biggest, doing tonight? Biggest reunion since NSYNC, right? I think that's what we are. We're like the Irish, uh, <laughs> we're like the Irish boy band. <laughs> it, it's big. It's big, guys. I'm kind of nervous about this. <laughs> but seriously, it's it's great to have both of you guys on. Uh, uh, John's returning, and Neil somehow has uh, escaped uh, an invite so far. I'm not sure how, but um, it, it's really a pleasure to to be talking to both of you guys tonight. And, uh, you know, it's our 150th show, and it's the first time you guys have been on a podcast together in a while, right? I'd say it's about a year. And a, is it a year and a half, Neil, since we, or a year since we did a podcast in our end? I think we, I think we might have done something for done, yeah, I think we might have did something around the draft last year, but uh, yeah, we yeah. certainly didn't put anything out, out during the season anyway. No, yeah. we took a little bit of a sabbatical from it, um, just just to, <laughs> with everything going on in the world at the time. I think it was uh, it, it was just for both of us. We were trying to get our own houses in order first before uh, we we started podcasting again. But um, John rang me today and said, "Do you want to do another podcast? Do you want to go on Rod's podcast?" And I was there. Yeah, let's get the band back together. Let's do it. <laughs> this, is, this is great. I appreciate appreciate you guys jumping on. So, um, first thing we're gonna do, guys, is talk about uh, talk about what we're drinking. And I know where you guys are from, so I know you have something there in front of you. Uh, Neil, this is your first time on the show, so let's let you go first. Uh, why don't you tell us about what you what you're drinking? Yeah, so I'm drinking a. Craft beer, it's from a local brewery, well, uh, yeah, a local brewery from where I grew up. It's called Treaty City Brewery. It's a beer called Outcast. It's like it's a juicy hot bomb, IPA, hipstery, you know, not everybody's cup of tea type of beer, but it's absolutely gorgeous. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and uh, I am gladly going to chug on this for the rest of the podcast because uh, I'm just jealous that I don't have another seven or eight cans in the fridge, to be honest with you, because it's it's an absolutely beautiful beer. And the guys at Treaty Brewery, if anybody's ever in Ireland and they're ever passing by and they're ever in Limerick, um, place called Limerick, you should definitely give a shout in. They are some of the wildest best fun people that you'll come across the guys that own that brewery so are is it does that come in a pint it's four it's uh, I, I don't know how to do the american measurements 440 milliliters so it's just under a pint 440 <laughs> okay or is it is that just a pint yeah That's a pint. i'm looking at the pint i'm drinking and it says a pint it doesn't even have milliliters on it <laughs> I thought it <laughs> 
I think 440 is a point. And I think, yeah, I think 440 is a point. Yeah. It feels a point glass anyway, so that's... <laughs> it looks good. It looks really good. The, so, the, um, the, the Imperial system, really, I, I, we were the last generation in Ireland that know both Imperial yeah. and metric system. Like, kind of know Imperial and metric system. All the kids now, it's just it's metric all the way. So no one in Ireland really, uh, only for a pint is still called a pint. It's four hundred and forty milliliters, really. Yeah, gotcha. You I know they, they they taught us the uh, the metric system when I was in when I was in grade yeah. school. Stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I know it's based on ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody uses that though, you know. I mean, nobody uses it. I I still look on my on my speedometer when I'm driving sometimes to figure out, you know, to try to figure out how many, uh, you know. Um, kilometers, kilometers on an hour you're on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, five miles is eight kilometers. That's yeah, it is five, five miles. Five by five. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of cool because you feel like you're going faster when it's in kilometers, right? <laughs> you're doing a hundred. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm but, going a hundred kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> John, John is right, though. It's, you know, we, we were kind of a joint generation where we had both of them. And, and even to this day, I went, I was getting some renovations done in my bathroom recently. And when I went in, I ordered the blinds uh, using the metric system. So in meters and, and centimeters, I ordered the tiles in the imperial yards. system. System, yeah, square yards. <laughs> and, I ordered, and I ordered the paint in the, in the metric system. So I, I went in and I went, okay, yeah, I'm going to need coverage of about 70, 70 yards or 70 square yards of, uh, of, of paint. So, yeah, it, it was a weird. And nobody bats an eyelid. That's just that. That's just the construction industry in Ireland. You, you are interchangeable between the two. It's like being bilingual at times. It's, yeah, it's just what you guys are used to. So, mm. so John, what are you drinking tonight? For a couple of very different reasons, uh, I'm I'm on the whiskey tonight. Uh, I'm not uh, not on the beer. I would be I would be a bit of a craft beer fiend myself, and I'm Rod very jealous. Of the pictures you post on Twitter of your 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 beer fridge, um, <laughs> it's an amb- it's an ambition in life for me to have a beer fridge like Rod's, uh, to have the to have that sort of selection. But for a couple of different reasons, it being a school night, um, and the fact that uh, I'm sort of looking at more keto friendly options at the moment. <laughs> I, I went I went for a small glass of whiskey. I'm actually and I, I went I went all American on this rod. Um I'm now, you know, don't take this the wrong way. I, I'm not a Joe Bro, but I do listen to Joe Rogan's podcast and uh, his recommendation of uh Buffalo Trace uh bourbon sort of uh, hit me there a while ago and I spent a bit of time looking for it and I found a bottle here um a few months ago and i've been i have to say i've been enjoying it i, I would never have been a bourbon drinker before because mm-hmm. my experience of american whiskey our experience of american whiskey really in ireland growing up was jack daniels that was yeah, it. Yeah, sort of and comfort. i did not like i never liked jack now do you know what i love southern comfort and red bull that is one of my good if i'm on a if i'm on a mad one and we're out for like a if we're out like at a at a stag do or at a wedding or something like that, and there's loads of drinks being had. I I will go to a Southern Comfort and Red Bull uh, when the when the pints are too much. Um, but with a uh, with bourbon, I never really kind of got it. I have to say, with this Buffalo Trace, I, I'm getting it. 
really nice drink. Um, you can really tell, you can really taste the kind of vanilla uh, kind of uh, uh, notes on it. And I believe it comes from the fact that the bourbon goes into virgin to virgin casks. Um, so that's where, where it comes right. from, like from, uh, from the woodlock, you know. Um, but yeah, very happy, I have to say. Uh, quite a reasonable bottle of whiskey, 40 euros here. Um, it, it, it's difficult to find, like not everywhere I'd have it. Um, but I'll, I'll be going back for more. And I have on my next to try list, I want to try some Bullet. Um, I think I saw Bullet Roy there the last time. I, have never, I haven't had that yet, so I'm going to try that the next time I think. That, that's interesting. My my dad was a bourbon drinker, and I've never really gotten into bourbon. Uh, but but a lot of people here drink bourbon. So um, you know, maybe you I'll Irish, give it a shot. Irish or Scotch rod? What's that? Would Would you drink an Irish whiskey or a Scotch? Uh, I would not drink Scotch. I've tried Scotch three times in my life, and it's yeah. Pour it all down the drain. Yeah. Pour it all no, down no, the drain. No. Lord, if you're going to pour it down the drain, pour it into my mouth from a great oh. height. I'll oh, take oh, every oh, drop of it, please. <laughs> I think it's when my wife and I were on our, our uh, honeymoon. You know, I hadn't, you know, it had been all, it had been, you know, 10 or 20 years since I had tried scotch. And, and we, and we had, there was an open bar, you know, in this area. And we're like, oh, you know what? I haven't tried this in so long. I think I'll try it again. It tasted exactly the same way I remembered it. Hilarious that it <laughs> so. tasted shit 20 years later, too, Rod, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I just, I know I a lot of drinks are... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I know a lot of drinks, it takes time to get used to them, and people have different tastes, so, you know, I, I respect whatever anybody drinks. It's just, it's not the drink for me. I like, I, I enjoy my beer fridge and my craft beers, and, you know, I drink some wine, and I drink a few other mixed drinks and that, but, um, you know, beer is kind of what, I, what I'm into, and tonight I'm drinking a, it's from Braxton Brewing Company, and this is a, uh, a I guess like a joint venture with with a company called Grader's Ice Cream, which is a local company. Oh, yeah. And this is a black cherry chocolate chip white stout. Oh, stop! I was stop. just going to ask, was it black cherry and chocolate chip? It's the only Grader's Ice Cream I've ever tasted. It's yeah. and it is fantastic ice cream. <laughs> it's what you have to get, yeah, when you go to Grader's. I mean, it, for your first time, they have other really good stuff too, but that's like what they're really known for. So. Um, this is in a pint, and it is uh, 7.2%. Um, Neil, I was going to ask you, what's the percent? What's the alcohol percentage on that IPA you're it's, drinking? It's a 4.8. 4.8. 4. 4. 8, 8. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 not going to kill me. I had I had a can. I wanted that's to a drink it with John. It is, it is, yeah. That's usually what we put in our in our kids' lunch boxes going to school. I was gonna um, say that's for the that's for the children. <laughs> I did have a can. There was a there was a can of a, of a beer from um, a company actually that I could probably put a stone through their window from from my house. I'm so close to it. It's a company called the Galway Hooker, um, a brewing company, and they brewed a 15 year anniversary beer. And it was, I think it was 10% or 10.5%. And I had one can of it and I looked at the date and it'll tell you now how much there's been a time warp in the last two years. It was nearly 18 months out of date and I didn't want to chance it. Although the alcohol level on it was so high that it probably killed anything that would have would have done me any harm in there anyway. So, but uh, no, it still went back into the fridge. I didn't want to chance it in the school night. <laughs> yeah, I have a beer in my fridge 
from it's from Arche, which is a brewery in Akron. It's called Supreme Commander, and it is a it's a fifteen percent beer. I I bought a four pack of it, and I split one with somebody, and it actually has a good flavor to it. But I'm not going to open one of those and drink it while I'm doing a podcast. Um, just yeah, it's just going to be too much. It's going to be like drinking three beers, you know, in, in a short period of time. And you're nearly um, into barley wine there at that point. Hmm. Yeah, that's it, just too much. But Arche is a good brewery. That's just a very strong beer. <laughs> so your, your your choice of a chocolate stout, Rod. That's a, that's a real. It's a real hipster thing here in Ireland. A double chocolate stout. Gorgeous. Um, oh, it's gorgeous. Who's, what's the one Neil that we get? There's a. Is it Fuller's? One of the, the big the big UK breweries do a do a double chocolate stout. That's kind of widely available. I think it's Fuller's. I think it, yeah, I've, I've, I usually only get it in, in pubs, but uh, I've never got it in cans or, or uh, you know, from the office or anything like that. Yeah, you get it. There's quite a common one. It's a purple label on it, and it's, yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. But it's the sort of thing, Rod, and I would imagine your drink as well. You're probably not having 10 of them. No. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, after the fifth one Rod you'd be going for a spoon you beat them with a spoon after the fifth yeah. one after the fifth one that's usually the same way with it. like you come into a pub in Ireland and 90% of the people in there will be drinking pints of Guinness and yeah. it's just it's a drink that you just cannot drink too much of it in, in what i mean well you can obviously if you drink 15 pints of it you're going to be you're going to be you know pretty pretty worse for wear but you'll always come back for more like rod your your, your story about the the scotch whiskey and it tasted bad 20 years later there like there's never you're the, you very rarely hear anybody that would ever say oh do you know what i don't like the taste of guinness they might say it when they're 14 or 15 or 16 when they first start maybe experimenting with having having a few pints or whatever but uh it's just so good and it's so nice and, and our economy is completely and utterly based upon it so <laughs> we got lucky we had i think guinness. they revoke your citizenship if you say you don't like guinness don't they oh 100 100 <laughs> oh, yeah well. There, there, there are regional variants, Rod, that you have to be aware of. So if you head south and you head down towards yes. Cork, Beamish and Murphy's are acceptable uh, replacements okay. for Guinness. Both, both yeah. stouts. And personally, if I was traveling down south, I would go for a pint of Beamish over Beamish. a pint of Guinness any day. Um, it, it, it's a much more, it's a lot darker. It's a it's a lot more charcoal-y kind of taste. Like Guinness is a lot creamier and a lot kind of... Uh, Lot kind of lighter, but Beamish is sort of. I, I would describe Beamish as more of a more of a robust uh, stout, and uh, it's very nice for a change when you get to head down towards the south of the country to, to have a fresh pint of Guinness or a fresh pint a fresh pint of Beamish. Nice. Well, if I get to Ireland, you guys can certainly take me out to some pubs for some Guinness and some Beamish, we'd, and we'd be your beer sommeliers. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> and if you guys, I know you guys may come to Cleveland someday, but if you ever make your way all the way down to Dayton, which is another three hours, my beer fridge is at your disposal. 
Let me just awesome, say that. Excellent. Awesome. awesome. Thank you very much, Rod. I appreciate that. And you see, Rod doesn't understand that we're taking that absolutely as an invitation and we will turn up uh, if we ever end up in Cleveland. <laughs> I absolutely I totally mean it, though. I seriously do. I, I've, I've been in Cleveland once and I went down to the Muni lot and there was there was one like there was one guy that you know I'd be messaging on Twitter or whatever and he said oh you should come to my, like it was maybe two years previous you should come to my tailgate and then I just happened to message him and go I'm in Cleveland where's your tailgate and he was there you're kidding me you're not in Cleveland I guess yeah I'm in Cleveland where's your tailgate I told you two years ago go to your tailgate so, <laughs> so you guys remember this stuff okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I was totally serious about it so. So guys, let's uh, let's go move on to because we could talk about beer probably for three hours. Um, let's move on to the part where we get to hear about Neil's uh, Neil's Browns fandom. Okay, Neil, just a little bit about you, how you became a Browns fan, and anything you want to share with everybody who's listening. Yeah, so my Browns journey is uh, it kind of coincided with. More so with kind of and Allen and Randy Lerner, I suppose, taking the reins uh, over the Browns. 2005-2006 era was when uh, I first started uh, taking an interest because, um, and, and, and you guys can't see it on the podcast, but behind me, I'm a big Aston Villa football fan as well as Aston Villa soccer fan, as you guys would call it. Um, they're my, Premier League, my English Premier League team. And uh, Randy Lerner was, uh, at the time, was uh, in conversations to purchase the club. And he ultimately went on to purchase the club. And he was chairman of the club for, for a number of years. And uh, things went good at the start. And things didn't go so great then after the start. Kind of like what happened in Cleveland <laughs> under, the, under the Lerner's tutelage. But it kind of, when, when he was being rumored to purchase it, um, it was all, all over the news here. NFL mogul looking to purchase uh, Aston Villa. So I, I, I started looking into it. And I was a fan of the NFL. I absolutely was. And I used to watch it. And, you know, I was I, I, I was aware, obviously, that the Browns weren't a winning franchise. And I actually found myself finding some of our games back in 2006 and seven and watching them. And it's just coincidental then that Randy, Randy Lerner took over Aston Villa. And I said, Brilliant! This said, uh, this is the guy. These, this is the team for me, and I'm going to start following the Cleveland Browns. And it was simple as that. I, I started trying to, you know, access their games through any means necessary uh, here in Ireland, 2006 and seven. It wasn't that easy. Um, it was yes, yes, it wasn't that easy. If there are any uh, international police listening to this podcast, uh, please don't come looking for me. The statute of limitations is over anyway, I think, on that one. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just started following them, started, started watching it, and, you know, um, really, really, really started getting into it, I think, in the in the Josh Gordon years, um, or the Josh Gordon year, I suppose, really, the one year we got to see him. Um, and that was the first year that I kind of, like, I was getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to watch the Browns as much as I could. Um, you know, no matter what time they were on, I was watching them. I was, you know, I was um, on fan boards and stuff like that. Just I got I really immersed myself. And from, from there, they've become a pretty big part of my life, you know. And, and Sundays during NFL season are ring fenced at 6 p.m. our time, which is 1 p.m. Your, your guys time. You know, it's ring fenced. It's like, don't ring me. Don't talk to me. I will be watching the Cleveland Browns. And if you want to come and talk to me, you better be prepared to watch four hours of the Cleveland Browns as well. So it's been a, it's been a massive love-hate relationship, I think, over that period of time. Um, but I think a lot of it has been born out of more love because 
you know, you find your tribe and you're trying, you're trying to get used to a new, a, a new sport as such. Like there weren't that many other that that many people that weren't very many people at all that were really into into NFL and uh, kind of had to learn it myself. And that was kind of half the thrill of the chase as well, getting to learn it and trying to figure it out. And uh, yeah, as I say, it's a big big part of my life now, big part of my my routine specifically in the in the autumn months. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that. So, guys, let's uh, let's talk some Browns. Let's uh, let's see what's going on here. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of talk about Deshaun Watson. Let's get that out of the way. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of all that's been going on. Let's get it out of the way. Then, yeah, let's get it out of the way. So, I don't know about you guys. I'm not a lawyer, so I, uh, you know, I try to stay clear of the whole legal thing and trying to figure out, you know, if he's, you know, what he did, if, you know, and all this stuff, because, um, you know, I figure that's, you know, that that's between him and, and the authorities and everything else. So, you know, I prefer to look at this from a football standpoint and that's, that's kind of where I, where I'm at. I think everybody had their reaction early on you know, as far as what they thought about the Browns bringing him in. So I'm kind of beyond talking about that. So um, what do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like, you know, anything more about a potential suspension now than we did a week ago based on based on him going and talking to the NFL and, and, and some of the stuff that's come out. Do you think we know anything more now than than we did before any of this happened? Um, what do you think, Neil? No, I think the answer is no. Um, I think I don't think we hear. I would be flabbergasted if we hear anything to do with a suspension this side of Christmas. Um, and just the reason being is, and and I've heard it in other podcasts, and I tend to agree that. This is a big case. It's a huge case. It's a big black eye for the NFL, regard, no matter what way you look at it. And as I say, I'm going to stay away from, from I suppose, my own feelings. I'm, stay, I'm, I'm going to what, what the NFL think. Um, and to them, this is a big black eye. They were happy when he sat out last season. They didn't have to do anything. Do anything. They didn't have to have any investigations. It was fine. He was, he was being held out by his team. Now the Browns are going to play him, but I don't think anything's going to happen because I think they're going to want to get all their ducks in a row because they've only got one shot to suspend him and whatever they give him. So if they were to say, oh, yeah, we're going to suspend you for the first three to four games at the start of this season, that's their shot and they're going to shoot it. And that, that might very well be, be, be what happens. Like, I've got no, I, I, I don't know any more than anybody else. But I think what they'll do is I think they'll wait and they'll wait and they'll wait. They'll try and get as many depositions as possible. He's only had a couple. They'll try and get as many depositions this side of the league of the league season. He's going to probably be back for more depositions after the season finishes. And then I think the court cases are starting, the civil cases are starting in, in April 2023 is, is, is what the general consensus is. And I think they're going to wait until that period of time because they don't really gain anything by... Uh, by just suspending him for three to four games, they might they might not even suspend him at all. Everything might come out in the wash. Who who knows? Who knows? But I think that they're gonna they're gonna have a long runway in this one, and uh, I would be very surprised if he was to get suspended in the, in the twenty twenty two year. Um, just based on that, based on the fact that the actual civil case has been pushed into twenty twenty three. So, John, what do you think? Do you, do you agree with that, or you, should we be concerned about this season? 
Yeah, no, I basically agree with most of that. I, personally, to be honest, I, I don't mind giving my personal opinions on 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 Deshaun Watson. I'm uh, I think Deshaun Watson is a very good quarterback. I think he's going to make Cleveland Browns a lot better. If uh, my daughter came home and told me she was uh, going to marry Deshaun Watson, I'd be very upset. Right. So there's that element. You know what I mean? There's an element uh, of um, I think what has upset the fan base really uh, a lot of the time is like it, it, there's I always get this feeling sometimes around the Browns. It's like the, it's like that. Why can't we have just have nice things? You know that feeling of you know. Mm-hmm. Why can't we just have something nice? So mm-hmm. we, it's. I, I think a lot of the fan base feel like we've been given something with one hand and it's been taken away with another hand. You know because it's like we can't feel good about it, right? So there's like we're, we're kind of processing that. We're working through that. Uh, I, uh, I, we've had plenty of players on the Browns over the years that I personally would have issues with. You know, and, and, and across the NFL, every team has them, every roster has them. And uh, I would personally have issues with that, but I can separate that from me supporting the team. Like, I don't see I don't see us uh, or the Browns team as like a supporting, um, you know, the actions of, of their players. I, I think they have come out and done the right things. I think Kareem Hunt is a very good example of where, you know, they, they took something and kind of, Maybe turned it into a positive and and, and try and try to turn his life around a little bit and try and get him to redeem himself and redeem his character, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. May not be a fan of actions he had in the past. May not be a fan of the player. Still a fan of the team, you know. Um, as for the actual punishments of what's going on, I I, I can't understand how the NFL um, feel that they're in a better position to to analyze what has gone on and investigate what has gone on and to meet out their punishment before the civil cases have even been heard, if they come out and, and come out with an eight-game suspension or come out with whatever. I, I'll be honest with you, Rod, I have a little concern in the back of my head that someone in the NFL is sitting down looking at the Trevor Bauer suspension and going, hmm, like, you know, this may be, this may be, like, you know, there could be something a little bit more substantial coming down the line than what people might be expecting. Uh, that's my fear. That's one fear I have. Um, but I can't understand how the NFL are going to act before um, the civil cases have, 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 have completed. If the civil cases go through, or if they get to a point where maybe the civil cases don't go through and it's settled or whatever um, the outcome is that, if he's given a hefty uh, suspension from, uh, from the NFL, and it could be in a situation where the player has had a hefty suspension from the NFL, yet wasn't prosecuted with any crime and uh, no civil cases were heard. You know, so it's a kind of it's it's a bit of a minefield, I think, personally for the NFL. And if I were them, I would stand really far back away from it and let the cards fall where they're going to fall, and like uh, mm. possibly be this time next year that we're talking about suspensions. So that all makes sense. But we're probably going to turn on our phones someday uh, in the coming weeks, and we're going to have that uh, Browns Twitter meltdown when when a suspension is handed out uh, on that day. That's that's my prediction. <laughs> It could happen. You bring you bring up a good kind of a good point, good question with the Trevor Bauer thing. I don't know that um, that the NFL has really looked at what Major League Baseball has done on anything in the past, but you know I think these cases are kind of a little more closely related than and you know and I don't want to get into the specifics of the cases because the allegations are not really the same, but. Um, I don't know, Neil. Do you do you think there's validity in, in the NFL looking at 
the Bauer thing. I mean, Major League Baseball handles suspensions much differently <clears throat> than football does. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what Deshaun, Deshaun Watson did, um, but it's widely reported what Trevor Bauer did. Um, and Trevor Bowers was an awful lot more violent. Mm-hmm. Seemingly, seemingly, you know, I I don't know if I'm speaking on a turn with that, and I'm sure people will be scre- be screaming at the at the radios, maybe potentially with that. But um, that you know, what's the difference between actual physical violence and maybe um, you know, uh, intimidation or whatever went on? I have I genuinely I have not looked at one uh, one of the allegations with the Sean Watson thing. I've completely unplugged myself from it. I've no I've no I genuinely have no idea. I don't even know the number of cases. That are against Deshaun Watson, um, and I've done that purposely because, like John said, it's I, I like I was here. I was with the, you heard my impassioned uh, story about why I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I was a Cleveland Browns fan before Deshaun Watson ever came. It's not going to suddenly my fandom of the Cleveland Browns because I will be a Cleveland Browns fan if Deshaun Watson does get some suspension. The Browns end up having to to cancel his contract due to some misconduct piece or whatever. And um, if they can void these guaranteed monies and if they, you know, there, there's a million and one things that the people have said the Browns can do if it comes down. For me, it's like, like the Browns are still going to be here. They were here before Watson. They're going to be here after Watson. They're going to be here before Andrew Berry. They're going to be here after Andrew Berry. And, uh, you know, that's that might be selfish of me. And I might not be thinking about other people. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still going to watch the Cleveland Browns because they're such a huge part of my life, you know, and and that's the way it is. But with regards to the Bauer piece, as I say, the Bauer piece was, uh, for me, like because I, I happened to see it, you know, the the, the violence of, of of the the allegations there were to me were a small bit. They were they were chilling, but then again, I can't turn around and say anything about the Watson things because I've I've purposely unplugged myself from it. Yeah, no, I, I understand totally, and, and I'm with you as on the uh, on the Browns fandom piece. You know, I I initially I. I it, you know, it's almost, um, you know, um, I was going to say, John and I talked, John and I talked yesterday and, and you know, it, it's, it, you kind of feel like you're in a situation where you're, where you're walking or talking on eggshells with this because people get very upset about this. And I understand, I understand because we're talking about, um, you know, things that, things that, uh, Deshaun Watson is being accused of, and people will get mad that I said accused because people are convinced he did this stuff. And, you know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I'm not here to, to say that either way. But um, it it's, it to me, it, what you said is, is absolutely, absolutely right, Neil. I was a Browns fan before they signed him. Um, and... You know, I was upset that they signed him because of the allegations. You know, mm-hmm. I thought, man, you know, it, it, it's much the same thing. It's can't we have nice things? You know, can't we have something that's not, you know, all, you know, going to cause all this controversy and everything? Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get over and above that. But I just I just think about people that have have left this team. And I think about what I've been through as a Browns fan, and I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm a Browns fan because I want to be a Browns fan, but, you know, I've seen plenty of tough losses, you know, um, you know, I was a fan when they lost to the, to the, 
to the Raiders on the Red Right 88. That's about when I was when I began being a fan, and I you know and I saw the three AFC um, championship game losses and and all this other crap. Okay, if I can survive that stuff, I can survive the Browns signing a player that I am not happy that they signed. Okay, that doesn't mean that I am pro sexual assault on women. Okay, it Great. doesn't mean that at all. Okay, I feel bad for the fans that um, that have been impacted by sexual assault and anybody who's been impacted by it and everything else and everybody whose stomach this turns and, and all that. Okay, but I'm still going to be a Browns fan. Um, and as far and I'm much like I'm much like you, Neil. I have not looked at much of the specifics of this case because the case is going to play out like it's going to play out, and it's not going to impact my fandom. That's just how I feel about it. So, so I think you're I think you're on the right terms there. Um, do you guys feel like the Watson signing and maybe the Watson contract has had other impacts on the Browns as far Definitely. as yeah, go, go ahead. Like I, go ahead, John. Right, so I, yeah, yeah. So like, the, definitely, I think we're seeing it. We're we're seeing it. We're 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 seeing it. Um, we're going to see an impact uh, over the coming years at, at certain positions. And like, what we've seen now is like, say we've seen our wide receiver room. The money that was in our wide receiver room, say with Jarvis and Odell and stuff like that. We're we're not going to see that. We're not going to see that again. You know, we're not yeah. going to. We're, we're not going to have Nick Chubb. Uh, Hunt and Dearness Johnson in our running back team. So I think people need to people need to understand that our running back room I think is going to look differently come September. Mm-hmm. Um, our defensive tackle grouping at the minute uh, I was reading yesterday uh, rated the worst in the league. You know, uh, there's there's areas of the team like that we are going to have to accept. I think that. Um, the money is not going to be spent there because that's where the the money for Deshaun Watson is is you know is is coming from. Um, so a, a, a knock on effect of that really then is the draft. And when we go back and look at the draft and uh, look forward to our next drafts, uh, we are going to have to be really consistently hitting our second, third, fourth round picks. You know, we're going to have to consistently hit players there. And uh, I'm not scared about that. I, I think, you know, from what I've seen so far, uh, I think yes, that's the we have to we have the guys we have the guys there to to do that. Um, it is a uh, it's very interesting. I have to say, Rod, it, it's a kind of a sea change, right? So you you know, I suppose that the 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 brand Super Bowl that used to be the draft um, every year and. Uh, the amount of time yeah. and effort as Browns fans we sent to be spent scouting every quarterback that came out for 20 years, the amount of time and effort that went into the, you know, the what defensive end or what wherever we were taking, you know, the amount of time and effort this year, which I was speaking to me earlier about it, the draft was such a non-event for me that it, I was I was actually disappointed. I was actually really not with the Browns draft, but like the draft in general because <laughs> the first night of the draft is now pointless. You know, it doesn't yeah. involve us. Um, the second day of the draft, it's like you're getting to pick to pick 44, and it's like, oh, trade back. And you're like, oh, come on. Like, just pick it's like two player. hours. But I want to yeah. trade it back. Yeah. It took <laughs> like, forever. Come on. Like, and, yeah. Yeah, just, just like, again, for context, 
um, for context uh, for everyone listening, uh, I I was staying up till four and five o'clock in the morning here, and then going to work yeah. at eight o'clock, uh, that, and staying up rough. to watch the draft. That's dedication, guys. And yeah, but yeah. The, the, this this is what I, I feel like I've been robbed of my Browns <laughs> draft experience now uh, because of all this. But then we get to we get to the draft right, and we pick uh, we pick Martin Emerson right, and uh, I'm sitting there going. Ah, jeez, come on! You know, I didn't because I didn't know who he was. You know what I mean? So that's what like, everybody's I, Yeah, yeah, but but just we're as fans, we're looking at the top tier guys. Like you know what I mean? We're looking, and even when we're picking at forty four, we're looking at like, oh, we're looking at this defensive tackle, or we're looking at this wide receiver, and you're thinking maybe you know, blah blah blah. And uh, then we pick a cornerback that no one has heard of, and like it's like it, it's a little bit like having the air let out of your wheels, you know, uh, a fraction. Um, but like again, this was getting back to the point. Like of uh, this is the Browns. This is the this is the future. This is the impact of the move for Deshaun Watson. This is the impact where we're going to have to trade back. We're going to have to accumulate picks. We're going to have to take more swings at more picks in the draft because we're not getting the higher end picks. Um, and again, look, I, I, I can accept that. Uh, the wide receiver room. I think people who are expecting. Possibly, maybe the addition of a big name wide receiver. I think need to need to have a little look. But we're probably not getting a big name wide receiver into that room, as it is. I think all the money that's in there at the moment is is more or less it, barring barring maybe a veteran addition of of, of some description. Um, our linebacker core, we are so we are like JOK getting into draft last year was such a bonus, absolute bonus for this team. Um, because we we aren't going to invest in the linebacker core at the at the at the rate I think that people might want. So yes, going to have an impact. But Rod, the the other the positive impact I suppose that I've also been looking at is that um, you know Browns Browns football is going to be a little bit different next year. It's going to be a little bit mm-hmm. different. We're not going to be. I don't think we're going to be um, as limited in certain areas. Um, and I'm actually not saying that we were that limited with. With Baker's QB, but I do feel at some points we were scheming around uh, Baker's abilities, and uh, I think the playbook is wide open then. So well, especially with the, with the with with Baker's injury, we definitely were scheming around his abilities. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, like it's kind of um, it's even I suppose even talking about Baker now, it's like um, it's, it's like you know there's there's nearly a whole Baker wars. Thing that we could we could maybe do a podcast about that too, uh, but as far as I'm concerned, really Baker's gone, and uh, wishing the best wherever he lands, you know. Um, yeah. Be fantastic to, to get that sorted, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I think there's I think the I think the, the the perceived negative impacts of the money that's been spent spent on Deshaun Watson's contract, I actually think a lot of that could turn into positives, and I, and I think we have the front office there to do that. Yeah. So Neil, do you think? Outside of the Browns organization and that, do you think there's been, um, I want to say from out, outside of the Browns organization, has there been an impact? I mean, how much, um, you know, how much do you think the, the Watson contract and everything has impacted, like trying to move Baker and maybe, um, you know, I, I don't know what else. Um, you know, it seems like some other teams are kind of pretty pissed off at the Browns. Do you think that's legitimate? Oh, 100%. Um I think it's it's ridiculously childish of the league. Yeah. I think it's ridiculously hypocritical of the league. I think it's ridiculously um, 
like like it's 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 our, like the the league is almost gaslighting us as fans to think that that this is the first time it's been done. Kirk Cousins will have earned over two hundred million, or have got close enough to I think it's like one hundred ninety million guaranteed money. And nobody has batted an eyelid at that. Everyone is saying, Deshaun Watson gets X amount of the first guaranteed contract for... No, guys, it isn't. The first yeah. guaranteed contract was Kirk Cousins for $80 million, And everybody thought that that was going to change the market when it changed it. And it didn't. This is the next one that's come along. Deshaun, the, the clamor about Deshaun Watson is the amount of money he got. Um, if I'm not mistaken as well, and I'm, I'm very much... I probably... I most likely am, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Deshaun Watson's guaranteed money is on his contract of 200 and whatever million it is, is less than Pat Mahomes' guaranteed money on his contract of half a billion. Half a billion is what Pat Mahomes' contract is. So yeah. the hypocrisy and the, and the rewriting of the narratives and, and, and the, the whole you know, pointing the finger and roaring louder than everybody else in complete absence of context and nuance to me, and, 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 and I'm going to name him because he's just been pretty, pro, uh, um, he's, he's been on Twitter an awful lot talking about it, saying that, that, that fans don't have a clue what they're talking about. But Joe Banner and his, and his crusade to make it out that the Browns are doing the whole league dirty by the way that they that they structure their contracts. I, I, I can't. I, I, I need somebody to sit me down and explain, am I taking crazy pills or am I missing something big? Because everything that everybody is saying is completely wrong or this the first time it's ever happened just isn't the case you know so i i don't know i, I could be wrong but i really really don't know what the hullabaloo is about from the money I'm, side of things, that is i'm pretty sure the browns know what they're doing i don't yeah i don't believe joe banner and i think as far as patrick mahomes i'm pretty sure that it was somewhere around right around half of his money was guaranteed. I don't know the exact amount, but it was, I, I think you're right. So I think it was somewhere around 250 million was guaranteed, which would put him above Deshaun Watson, right? Another yeah, added just, bonus, um, Lamar Jackson's contract, and the Ravens pretty pissed off about all that. Um, so we treat, we seem to have thrown a little spanner uh, in uh, into their contract negotiations. So, you know, that's a bonus. That's too bad, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, you know, you, you uh, um, John, you mentioned about, uh, you know, not signing some of these guys. Now, the Browns are still, despite everything that's happened, because of the way they've structured these contracts, they're still near the top of the league as far as cap space this season. A I lot think of you have to be careful league. with that, Rod. Well, I, sure. I I think well, we have sir. to be careful for that for, for, for one reason, and I'm kind of uh, now not to get into nerdy cap stuff because it, you're talking to the wrong man. But my understanding would be that we need a certain amount of rollover to give us flexibility. So if we have 20 million, if we have 20, 25 million of cap space at the, uh, going into this season, like, uh, you know, yeah, it gives us a bit of flexibility, but I don't see going out and spending that cap space to leave us with with not a lot of flexibility going forward. So, uh, yes, there is cap space and there is flexibility. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm pretty sure Jadavian Clowney is going to come back on a on a reasonable contract. I'm pretty sure we get the money we get the money back from Hooper uh, mm -hmm. on the first of June. Is it? Uh, we should have our our 
I don't know what gymnastics they can do to get out of Acres 19 million. Like, but if we can get out of that, they and, get part of it, even and, part and, of but, it. You know. Even part of it, like, and, and get compensation of some description back, uh, you know, happy days. Um, but it's it's that flexibility we're going to need because I suppose we have Miles and uh, Miles Chubb, Ward, uh, Watson, like the, the uh, Teller, um, the, the sort of the, the, the biggest end of who we need signed has been re-signed. I don't think we have anyone up for a big contract yet. We have Jed Wills still has a year before we're talking about contracts. And, you know, yeah, what kind of... Yeah, a couple of years left, right? Yeah, but Jed, Jed Wills is going to have... Well, he's also going to have to, you know, maybe play the fraction better um, before we're talking about contracts. Like, you know what I mean? He has a bit to do still, I think, before we're talking about second contracts. Jed, Jed Wills is here again next year. He's he's like he it's all dead money next year for there's no cap saving for Jed Wills. I'm, I'm just looking at it here. So he's <laughs> he's definitely here next year regardless. Oh no no I know I, I know he's here now, but I'm just talking about with regards to offering a second contract. Um, you know, if uh, he, he's yeah, I know he was, he was clean injured in that last year. So uh, but just with regards to the cap space, I think we have we have Jadavian Kennedy coming back and I'm pretty sure they're gonna sign a DT I, I I think they have to. I think they have to. The the needs come like is Eddie Eddie Goldman still on the market? He is. And, and I think is Akeem Hicks still on the market? He is. You know? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, that. I, I think we're looking at a at a right. one year at a one year for one of the guys and to see where we go because Perry and Winfrey is is one of the guys that interests me most in the draft actually that came in. Now I know like Perry and Winfrey isn't a run stuffing. Uh, defensive tackle like he's going to be used in high rotation on on passing downs I'd imagine um, but he's a guy that slipped down the draft because um, I think he's like I, I don't know I think he's um, I think from what, from what I've read and what I've listened to is that he's his senior bowl um, tape and his, his college tape don't really align and he made serious improvements in the short time between mm-hmm. Uh, between finishing college and getting to the senior board, which is great. And my God, you can't question the attitude. Like he comes across yeah. so well. Like hey, I'd of, rather uh, I'd rather see improvement than see him drop off and wonder what happened. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I I think I think that coupled with um, coupled with the attitude, because I, I think his attitude and his demeanor, I think it might be a it might be a touch marmite. If you know what mm. I mean, I don't know if you get that reference from. It's either a love it or hate it uh, mm-hmm. type of, type of thing, and I think maybe some teams maybe shy away. But uh, is, I he think a, Jack, is he a Mac Wilson replacement for that kind of ultimate positivity rara cheerleader guy? I don't know. Okay. He seems like a very serious man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he does but, seem very serious. But yeah. If you if you look at our detac- detackle room at the minute, like. Uh, Taven Bryan is here. We have uh, Tommy Togiai. We have um, Jordan Elliott. Jordan Elliott, Perry and Winfrey. Uh, like, not you know, there's 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 nothing standing there in front of me going, oh my God, we're going to be really strong against the run if we put these two guys in on first mm-hmm. down. Like, I, I'm a bit concerned about that. And like I said, one of the yeah. older veteran guys to plug him in there on a short contract, I definitely think there's something coming there. And fingers crossed for Clowney, maybe on a one or two year deal. 
but the county doesn't like playing in the rain. Doesn't like I don't think he likes being you know in Cleveland. You know <laughs> not not the franchise like but like the weather. It's an issue for him. So he's probably sitting there waiting for an offer from you know the the, the Buccaneers or the Dolphins or someone like you know he's probably sitting there waiting. Um, but I'd, I'd much I'd much sooner see him coming in there. But I'm not as worried about the defensive end room at the at the moment. If we have to roll into the season with what we have at the moment, it's not ideal. But I still think they might add a veteran presence there um, in that room. But I, I really can't see what what I could see. Rod is a player getting shifted for a player. You know, that's right. See, You're yeah. I got, yeah, yeah, I, I could see like if the right player was to become available, like I could see, I could see, I could see in a world where you know Kareem Hunt is is on another team and we're yeah. getting a defensive end or a wide receiver. Oh, I think I think if they're if they're moving anyone on, it's definitely a defensive defensive line player. I don't think wide receiver is a massive need or mass. It's a it's probably a massive want more so than a massive need. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think if yeah, if they're gonna make a trade, I think it would be for defensive line more likely. But, you know, guys, I, I think that if um, you know, if they did sign Clowney, Clowney kind of gives you gives you the flexibility with being able to play inside because if you have Clowney and Winfrey and and Miles, then you can you're putting more pressure on the young defensive ends in that. But you, it at least gives you kind of a fallback to where you can play the, those guys inside occasionally. You know, against the run makes me feel a whole lot better about yeah. that defensive yeah. tackle room as it is. Yeah, if it's not going to be improved. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, it, kind of where I was going with that with the money part was um, the fact that uh, Jarvis signed. He only. I, I can't remember the exact figure and cap the Browns have. And I know, you know, like you said, you don't want to spend all of it. I don't know what clowny, you know, what kind of contract he would have or how it would be structured. But were you guys surprised that, that the Jarvis Landry contract was only $6 million? And that's like, it's $3 million plus add-ons. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's not very, I, I, well, I think, I think what I saw was $3 million plus, plus add-ons. Like it, oh, was it $3 million a, plus incentives? Okay. Yeah, I think I I think so, and I can be correct. So six million max, That's, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah six million max. I, okay. I I think that was what I was looking at um, earlier on. I suppose like, yeah, look, you know, it's it's a bit of the Sheldon Richardson story. Like, you know, you're probably not going to go back to the team that you that perceived that you perceived lowballed you. You know, so it's, we probably yeah. weren't going to be an option on that front. Uh, I would imagine he's kicking himself. He didn't take a contract that was on the table. Um, from the Browns, I'm pretty sure we offer them more. Um, yeah, at the they, moment, they had to have offered more and then pulled it, right, guys? The Browns. Yeah, they did that with Mike, Wasn't it Mitchell Schwartz? They did the same thing with Mitchell Schwartz all back in the day as well. But they offered him eight million, and next thing, then they pulled it, and then they went back, to, and he went back looking for the eight million. They said, "No, no, no, you're okay." And then, of course, he went on to. Bigger and better things, I think it's fair to say, considering <laughs> as a <Yeah>. Lombardi. <laughs> no, they play pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure Jarvis probably at this point. I'm. I like. I like Jarvis Landry, and I think he brings a hell of a lot to the to to that room. Yeah, but I think, great. I I think like you know, the, not to make a direct comparison, but you know, in David Bell, a younger, fitter, you know, maybe slightly faster version of. Uh, 
of the same player. Like if we were if we were to take another wide receiver, a, vers- a veteran wide receiver into that room, are, we're probably looking at a yeah, you know something something that's offering something different, a, a, a bit more outside, a bit of speed. You know, I mean, it's something just a bit different. Like you know, I think we're I think we're covered for guys going across the middle. You know. Yeah, I mean the Browns have options at, at receiver too, you know. So, um, I, and you know, I really thought it would be would be nice for him to bring in a veteran, if if not Jarvis, somebody else. But I I really don't think it's going to happen now. So, um, Neil, where do you stand on the wide receiver room? I mean, what you know, do you think they're just going to ride with what they have? Um, do you think you think there's an option that they might pick up somebody, you know, when teams make cuts, or or what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's always going. There's always going to be a bit of churn in there because you, you look they, what they've done for me with the wide receiver room is we've gone to a wide receiver room that are now bar Jakeem Grant. Jakeem for, for any photographs, Jakeem Grant needs to take the photograph of the wide receiver room because he's so much smaller than everybody else in that room. He will just look so it'll look like bring your kids to school or uh, to work day. Because they're all six foot, six foot one, six foot two, uh, six foot four in Javon Wims' uh, case. They're all 210, 12, 20 yeah. pounds. You know, they're all big. So what I'm trying to get at here is that the Browns have really transformed the demographic and the makeup and, and the, the ideal size of what they want at the wide receiver room. Uh, Barry Jakeem Grant, who's in there, 5'7", 170 pounds. Um, so he's, he's uh, a, a lot smaller. Even the guys that they've brought in, like a Mike, like said, like Michael Woods, he's come in at six one. I think he's one ninety eight. Um, you know, he's but he's still a taller wide receiver. Um, uh, Isaiah Weston has come in. I, I can't remember what his measurables are, but off the top of my head, I think six, that he's six four two ten. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah. So he's a, he's a big boy. Yeah. So like they've what I think what they've done is that they've gone with a, a different body type. For the wide receivers now, I don't. But I don't. I think that if they are going to bring somebody in, they'll bring somebody in more so for their mentoring ability, somebody for their, uh, somebody to come in there and be the daddy of the room as such. Because there's a lot in Amari Cooper's shoulders in there, uh, just based on the makeup of the room. I think maybe if they were to go out and bring in somebody on a vet minimum like Emmanuel Sanders, I think would be quite good. Been there, done that. Wanna wanna. Um, uh, won won a, a Lombardi and uh, just seems to be an all around nice guy, you know. So if he was to come in, uh, he's thirty five years of age though, but he's played playoff uh, playoff football with Buffalo last season. And if he can come in, get you four or five hundred, six hundred yards in in spot situations and the outside, and uh, and and mentor people within the room, pick up his check. I think that he'd be a good signing. I I'm not I'm not there with the Will Fuller stuff. I don't think we need an absolute true out now burner on the outside because I think Anthony Schwartz. I think they're going to put their money in him, um, and they're, and obviously Donovan Peoples Jones can move on the outside. Uh, you've got great route runners in, in Amari Cooper and uh, and David Bell. Uh, although you know we don't want to make any projections in David Bell, considering that um, you know it's his first year in the league. So for me, I think it's uh, I think somebody like that that could just come in and be a move the chains guy, be a, a steady hand that knows he's not going to be first choice, but can be that real uh, coaching coaching the in, on the field kind of influence uh, would be, so Emmanuel Sanders would be somebody that I think would be you know a, a good pickup and he's got 
a serious amount of experience behind him. He's experienced in this type of offense as well with San Francisco, and he's experienced in playing in the in the not so clement weather uh, around the lakes with Buffalo mm-hmm. last season. So he should uh, he he should be uh, for me. I think that he'd be somebody that might uh, might get some some looks closer to camp. Um, I think that that's where he might come in. That's true, and you know, anything much over 400 yards um, would have led the Browns last season. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. so, so yeah, um, guys. One thing I want to bring up is there, there's talk about uh, David and Joku. The Browns are talking to him about an extension, 13 million dollars per season. Leaving my own personal thoughts out of this, what do you guys? How do you guys feel about that? And uh, John, we'll let you kick off the the Njoku talk. Oh, the, um, thirteen million per. Um, I think Njoku uh, could have some fun times in the next couple of seasons. I think he could be a very big player. Um, I think possibly underused in the flotilla of tight ends that we've had um, in the last two seasons. Um, I, 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 a little bit of kind of meh, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> like <laughs> doesn't it, it? It doesn't excite me spending big money on on, on tight ends. Um, I would have possibly liked to have seen uh, Greg Dulwich, Dallin, Daniel Bellinger, um, etc., etc. Maybe drafted this year. Um, yeah. But like in Joku, like yeah, like he, he, he's he's um. He's uh, oh, there's a phrase I'm trying to come to. It's not coming to my head, but he's uh, he's he, he he hasn't delivered really what was promised, if you know what I mean. But still incredibly young. What age is Njoku? I think he's 25 still. 24. Is he not? 24, 25, 25, maybe. 25. The 26th, the 10th 20, of July. Right. So, so he'll be 26 I, I, this season. Okay. Like we 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 took we took an undrafted free agent by receiver who's the same age as him this year. Out of this year's draft, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like so, yeah, I, yeah, I do. Um, he, he he's incredibly young, so the potential he still has the potential. He has the athleticism, um, and yeah, like I'd, I'd really like to see him in this offense role. I'd really like to see him. It's um, and, and the money really at, at at that level, yeah, I suppose. Like you know what I mean? But like we we have to we have to look at the usage. And like I, I, I've not, like I've noticed, like we haven't gone out sprinting to replace Austin Hooper. You know what I mean? We haven't gone out and we haven't gone out and splashed, you know, to get in, a, yeah. to get in a replacement there. So I'm, I'm pretty much thinking that that's going to be a system, a system, um, not change really, but probably going to see uh, a fraction fewer tight ends on the field um, at, a, so. at a few points this year. You know, but I think those targets and stuff will be focused towards um towards David and Joku. So yeah, I think I think he'd be an important player. Um if you know if he stays great if if they trade him, you know, great. You know, we'll 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 we'll, we'll survive without him. Um but I he the potential still kind of intrigues me. You know, is there is there a is there an absolute elite player in there? Is there a top three in the league tight end in there? You know, possibly. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I've struggled because he's 
you know, we've seen five seasons, and yeah. he's kind of, you know, and how many you're guys... You're waiting for the pop. How many guys get pop. five seasons, but then you look and he's, you're like, man, he's, he's 25 last season. You're like, he's still so young. So, you know, so I've struggled with it a little bit. You know, I, I was kind of surprised that the Browns, that the Browns tagged him uh, because of the strength of this draft class, and I thought they were still going to draft somebody because of how good this defense or how good this tight end class was. I thought they would bring another guy in, you know, um, but it, it shows you that that the system is definitely going to be changing. You're not going to see two, three tight ends on the field as much this time. So, so Neil, what are your thoughts on, on David and Joku and this uh, extension they're talking about? If David Njoku gets that extension of 13 million plus, this is a question for you guys. Granted, the Baker Mayfield, I'm not going to count him as part of the offense. Granted, Austin Hooper is going to be cut uh, after June 1st. At 13 million, where do you think that puts David Njoku in the earners on our offense in for a cat number for this season? Oh, what number would he be? Yeah. He'd be the top at 13 million. He'd be number one. Yeah, he'd be our highest earner on offense at 13 million. That's mad. Well, that's because, well, yeah, I suppose with that again, look at the contract oh, for, structure. For this season, you for mean? This season. Yeah. For, yes, yeah, yeah, just just for this season. Even coming yeah. in at next season, at next season, you would be looking but at. Neil, yeah. I, bet you if, I bet you if that contract was structured, it'll be structured in such a way that his cap hit would be very low this season. And that like there will be else. extra to be to be five years. There's going to be two five years at the end of it, and his salary is going to be four million this year. You know, like <laughs> he that. Kind of right. Like, right. He'd yeah. still even even next year. Let's just say, yeah. So if it's thirteen million per, then that may, means he's maybe his cap number next season is could be eighteen million. You know, who knows? And then that, it, let's just say if we pluck that arbitrary number of 18 million, that puts him just behind Deshaun Watson and Mary Cooper next season. And what I'm trying to get at here is. Do I want to pay all that money for cumulatively 1,754 yards of offense over a five-year period? Granted, he's been injured. It's 65 games. 65 games he's played, and he's only sta- he started 36 of those, and he's had 15 touchdowns. You know, it's, it's a lot it's of money not, for potential. It's, it's an, a lot of money for potential, and somebody who's only learned how to block in the last season. Uh, you know, so... I'm, I would be nervous about that, or I would have been one of two things. I'd be nervous about that, or what I would be is I should be supremely confident that there's a magic money tree that we can figure out this cap space and finally put it to bed and be the ones that prove that the cap is a myth if it is a myth. Because if you're talking about bringing in Clowney and let's call it Akeem Hicks, there's going to be 23 million. I'm picking an arbitrary number plucked out of the sky there. I had the 13 million for Njoko. Yes, he's already earning 10 million at the moment. They will probably lower his cap hit from 10 million this season um, to to somewhere maybe in the region of five or six. And then they will create more rollover cap for next season. So at the moment, we've got 37 and 37,000 and change, uh, 37 million and change that we could roll over before we sign anybody based on the Aston Cooper, uh, Aston Hooper uh, cuts. Now, if we get somebody to take Baker and maybe we eat half his half, half his salary. And we get a nine million rebate on him. 
but then that puts us up to like 46. So taking 46 into next season and and uh, subtracting 13 of that from for Njoku, 13 of it for, for uh, Clowney, and maybe let's call it eight for Hicks, that brings us to... Thirty-two million from forty-seven million from forty-six million. That only leaves us fourteen million carryover next season, and it would still mean that we would be six million over the cap, uh, over the cap limit. So we would still need to do finagling next season. For me, it doesn't really make a whole pile of sense to pay uh, pay him thirteen million. That's my uneducated view on it. My very very rudimentary economic understanding of the cap. To me, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze based on what he's done. He's five years here. But then again, I'm not a football aficionado, and I'm also not a cap whiz. So um, I'm very much missing an awful lot of context, I would imagine, to to um, to, to what the actual situation is on the ground. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. It's um, just there with, with all the with all the guys in the draft. I just when um, when the Browns traded. Um, when they traded out of that pick, but um, to get the pick for next next season, um, can't remember even who they did that with now at this point. But um, that was the pick where I thought they were going to take a tight end mm. this season. There were some there were some good guys on the board still. Um, can't remember which ones, but um, I think some of the guys John was talking about maybe were still on the board at that point. Um, you know, I thought they were going going to do that, and that way you're kind of playing it both ways. You got Njoku on a tag for this season, see what he does. You got you got um, Harrison Bryant, and then you got a you know a young promising rookie, and you got three tight ends. Um, you see what Njoku does. You let him play out that tag. Uh, you you play Harrison Bryant, um, see how he looks, and then you got this rookie to fall back on too. But I'm not the general manager of the Cleveland Browns guys, so <laughs> there's well, not a lot of things I can question him on, but <laughs> this is one the, of them I, I feel like I can. The the thing for me, and, and granted that he has played in the league for not longer and he's 32 years of age, but arguably Travis Kelsey is the best. It's not even arguably. He, he, he is the best tight end. Am I fair in saying? Am I missing anyone out on that? Am I, am I forgetting anybody? Travis Kelsey, best tight end. In the in in the NFL, I don't think anybody's disagree. I don't hear anybody disagreeing. I think so he's far. the best because he's done it the longest. You know, there are other guys yeah. who are who maybe are are better game to game, but he, I think he's the best. Yeah, like he's he's due fourteen and a half next season, sixteen and a half the season after that, and eighteen and a half the season after that. You know, but his production when you look at his production, like his best seasons. Uh, two of uh, are actually his three of his four best seasons have come. In the last three years, you know, so he's getting better with age, and he, yeah. and, and and the thing is, there, you know, obviously age is on David and Joku's side, so they are paying that money for potential. But like, you know, what's the extrapolation on basically what he's done at the moment to to justify that thirteen million? It, it would be interesting if he does sign it. There will be questions asked because the whole yeah. beauty about the tight end room is you get. You, you you get production at a discount. You get like if you've got a good pass catching wide receiver, you get or sorry, a good pass catching tight end, you get a mismatch potential over the middle and you know end zone production 
at a discount based on what you would expect to pay for a tight end or for a wide receiver. And yes, 13 million is a discount, but the production isn't there for me to justify even that as a discount on somebody like in you know, Amari Cooper's uh, salary. But uh, as I say, it'd be interesting to see what way it pans out and if that is the actuality of, of the contract that he's been offered already. I would have taught myself maybe 10 million was a fair was a fair um a fair APY for him. Uh, but yeah. uh yeah, it seems that it seems that he's driving a hard bargain, and and he, look, he's well entitled to it. It's his his life, his career. If somebody wants to pay it to him, then more power to him. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. So, uh, so guys, we've been we've been going for a while here. Um, I tell you what, uh, if you'd like, we could get some get some final thoughts and uh, kind of, uh, and then we'll let you guys talk about whether there's there's another pending reunion down the road or not, if you want to make any announcements <laughs> or anything. <laughs> so, uh, so John, we'll go back to you. Any, any closing thoughts on, on the Browns or anything else you'd like to throw out at this point? Closing thoughts on the Browns. Um, excited for the season. Can't wait for football to come back. I currently, at, at, at this time of the evening here in Ireland, I switch on my TV to my American and Canadian channels. I am watching women's college lacrosse i am watching girls college softball uh also watching um also watching um uh what's that game where you throw the the sack into the little sacks cornhole there's like professional cornhole competitions on tv that's fun to watch for about 15 20 minutes Second and I play and I play cornhole sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's, uh, it's fun to watch for fifteen minutes when you grow up with it all the time. But we think it's absolutely insane, so we watch it for like twelve hours a day over you here. Watch, when we you, watch you watch is just seeing. You're probably counting how many times they miss, which is not very often. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but also uh, bass fishing on the fishing channel. Uh, if I if I grew up in America, Rod, if I lived and if I was brought up in America, I'd be a professional bass fisher. That's like I can't believe people get paid to go fishing. That's okay. like the, that's the ultimate dream. Like I bet you'd be good go at fishing. it, John. Um, but that's <laughs> oh, I'd be awesome at it, Rod. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so basically, basically, this is this is my life for the the next few months until the until the week starts, and then we're going to have the World Cup right on top of the bloody NFL this year. That's one disaster. Disaster. Absolute disaster. scheduling disaster. Um, I'm thinking more Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an awful shame. But uh, no, Rod, closing thoughts. Can't wait for football. Uh, can't wait for all the crap, all the all the the, the what's and crap to kind of wash out of the the news cycle and be done with it, and uh, to 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 get back to looking at football. As we know, this is the absolute dead time of the year uh, for football yeah. now. It's kind of not going to happen until training camp. So, well, not terribly interesting. But uh, no, it's kind of like batting down the hatches, uh, enjoy the cornhole and sort of re-emerge uh, in, the, in the middle of August for the pre-season games. Good to go. <laughs> it is the dead time of the year. So I thank, I thank you guys for livening it up for me. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Neil, uh, give us some closing thoughts for tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Brown season. Um, I am. Um, uh, I'm a strange fish in that I love, I love a good defensive battle 
uh, in the NFL. And I just, I'm just re- like, I'm trying to word this correctly because I don't want to say Joe Woods kind of kills me sometimes. I don't want to just say that, but I'm expecting him after in year three now that he's got players that I would hope he's got the players that he has wanted to get his hands on. And yes, the D-line isn't completely finished yet, but that secondary for me is, it gets more and more exciting every time I watch it. And it was the same last season. And yes, Troy Hill is gone, but I'm pretty excited about Martin Emerson and the fact that I don't know a whole pile about him, but when you look into him afterwards, he hits like a train. And I love that stuff. (laughs) I don't like it when people hit me, but I, I, I can watch people, other people getting hit all day long. It's great. And, and you know, I, I think that the retooling that's gone on in, in certain areas there um, and the growth of people like uh, JOK is going to be, is going to be huge. Um, I think there probably will be a surprise whereby we will see somebody outperform what we expected of them on that defensive line. Um, and maybe, I, I don't know, I've, I just seem to, every time I scan down and I see, look at the names, I go... Tevin Bryan might be the guy. He might be a guy, not the guy, but he might be a guy that raises a few eyebrows in the in the case of, well, how couldn't he do this at Jacksonville? And we know how dysfunctional Jacksonville have been for years. Uh, well, sorry, they were certainly dysfunctional last year. And um, you know, that's something that that I think we can look we, we can look forward to. That's something that I'm looking forward to anyway. And um, sad and all as it may sound, but I think the Browns are are in good hands on the field with their coaching staff. I like I could listen to Kevin Stefanski all day long. I just think he's a calming influence and uh, I'm looking forward to, to to seeing what he can do with his offense as well now that he's retooled that 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 wide receiver room. And very much like John, I just can't wait for it to come back on again. I I, I like it's funny, I I don't care about a lot of people's opinions about football. I don't care about a lot of other people's opinions about sport. I like to watch sport because there's things in it that I like. And call, that, call me cocky, but 90% of the stuff that you read or that you, you watch or that you hear about, you know, from specifically from national media, it's it's just it just doesn't float my boat and it just gets me more angry than anything else. And it's it's kind of it's it's kind of this year that I've realized that more than more than anything else. And that's why I've kind of tuned out from it. So I just can't wait for the for the action to get back on the field. And I can't wait to be, you know, for any of those primetime games for getting up a stupid o'clock in the morning. I will never forget when the beer fridges opened. And it was what, John? It was probably about quarter past four in the morning here. And uh, I just went down. I started, I started uh, shouting. And at the time, I didn't have any kids. And I started roaring and shouting downstairs in, 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 my, in my living room. And then I went down and I started opening up. I opened up about four cans of Guinness. And I just started drinking Guinness. For quarter past four in the morning after Baker did that, uh, you know, so there's been some great nights that we've had as Cleveland Browns fans. There's been some absolutely awful nights. Um, and I just want to get those back again because they're, even though we're, what, three and a half thousand miles away over here, uh, it still feels like it's, it, it, we still feel part of the clan. And, uh, and as I the, say, the Steelers was the best night, Neil. The Steelers playoff <laughs> game, that was, that was a very long night online. I literally oh, sat with my head in my hands going, what team am I watching when we absolutely decimated the Cowboys last year as well? I was like, who are we and what have you done with the Browns? All of a sudden, <laughs> you know, but beating the Steelers was fantastic. Oh, yeah, sorry, John. Beating the Steelers was actually a great night. <laughs> we stood up till about 9 o'clock the next morning. <laughs> you, 
you could not have scripted a more perfect game than, than that game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can't wait for it to happen. You know, can't wait for it to be back. We we ended up that night on on Zoom calls all night, uh, getting very very drunk, speaking to lots of lots of our buddies in Cleveland. Bottle and a half of whiskey, I think that night. It was a nice Irish whiskey. It was called Writer's Tears. If you're if if that is your your drop of choice to bring a full circle, and uh, oh, I suffered for two or three days afterwards, <laughs> but it, it was, was worth it. it it was worth it, definitely. <laughs> well, thanks so much, guys. This is this has been so much fun. Uh, everybody, you can follow John Cahill at John Cahill underscore IRL. You can follow Neil Dunworth at Two Green Browns. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.